Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to another edition of Nothing But Airtime. It is Tuesday, March 30th, and as always, I'm your host, Cole Rains. And because it's Tuesday, I know I've been a little slow as of late, but I got some time. We'll get to that later in the show. Tuesday Tunes is out on our Spotify. It is out on our Spotify playlists. It's all updated. We did the Guilty Pleasure song, so be sure to go listen to that and tweet us your favorite Guilty Pleasure songs at Nothing But Airtime, N-O-T-H-I-N-B-T-A-I-R-T-I-M-E. Getting into today's show for you today, we do a little bit of the Tinder takes. I look at four players who were recently traded and four standouts over the week. I give you some news breakdown. I do some Tinder takes for the teams. As always, Tuesday's Tinder takes day. And then in the beating the buzzer, I've got some news, personal news in my life. I break down the emergence of quote-unquote super teams with LaMarcus Aldridge and Andre Drummond going their respective ways, one to the Nets, one to the Lakers. And I round out the show, as always, with the Reddit question of the week. We would not be here as nothing but airtime without our good friends at Anchor. So let's take a quick moment to listen for them. Starting off with some news, we are now a Moses Brown stan podcast. I think I did that right. That is the big NBA Twitter word. Who do you stand? Who are you a fan of? Moses Brown is my guy out in Oklahoma City. Good stuff by both parts there. He's a feel-good story. Came in as a two-way deal this year with the Thunder on Saturday's game against Boston. He had 21 points, 23 rebounds, and on Sunday, he was signed to a multi-year deal. That is awesome stuff by both sides. Love to see it. Cool, good, feel-good story to start off our Tuesday. All right, getting into some availability now. Jeff Teague was recently signed by the Milwaukee Bucks. He was bought out by, I believe it was the Orlando Magic after the Evan Fournier trade. But Austin Rivers was another guy that was traded. He was traded to the Thunder. He's also been bought out. I wanted Austin Rivers to go to the Milwaukee Bucks personally. I think that would have been a good fit. You lost DJ Augustine. He's an upgrade on DJ Augustine's part. He's played with P.J. Tucker. He has that familiarity. He's played with James Harden. So if you ever have that Bucks nets playoff matchup, you have some familiarity there too. But Bucks went with Jeff Teague, and Austin Rivers is available. I don't know where he's going to go. There's a lot of teams that could use a guard of his caliber. I say caliber. I'm not talking about an elite-level guard. I'm talking about a a guy that knows his role coming off the bench that has been on playoff teams before. He's played with Harden in the Rockets. He was uh, a fixture off the bench with those teams. He's not going to push push the bill that much further, but he'll fill out a bench, give you good minutes if need be. He can shoot the three as well, plays quality defense for a bench guard. Something to monitor. Clippers could possibly add another depth piece. Lakers could possibly add in another piece. Alex Caruso, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, not been good. Something to monitor. Austin Rivers will go somewhere, and I'm excited to see where because I think he is a good role player. Heading into some injury news now, Mitchell Robinson of the New York Knicks. He fractured his right foot. Sounds like he's going to be out for the season. At absolutely crushing blow for the New York Knicks. It's tough for a young big man who is decently athletic. Got a Big wingspan, blocks a lot of shots this year. He's actually averaging a block a game, eight points, eight rebounds, and he's shooting 65% from the field. He's doing all that while playing the most minutes in his career. That's going to be a tough spot to fill for a Knicks team that is currently contending in a very tightly compacted Eastern Conference playoff race. 
Getting into the trade deadline, we're not going to break down each and every trade for you today here at Nothing But Airtime, but I'm going to look at the fits, uh, excuse me, the 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 play styles, whether these trades have fit in each team's play style. I got four guys uh, with the who have recently traded, as I said, with the Tinder takes for the players this week. But looking at the deadline itself, Woj kicked everyone's butt on trade deadline day. He broke 11 trades. Shams was next, breaking six. Nobody else had any other trades. 17 deals, both of which, or all 17, were between Woj and Shams. Obviously, Woj getting the upper hand there. Something to monitor, as those two are probably the biggest newsbreakers of the NBA. Not many can do it like them. So we'll see what comes out of free agency this year and what should be a monster free agency. I'll be keeping tally, see who's got the upper hand going into next year's season. After the break, eight players I'm swiping on, four of which I'll be swiping on the team and the player itself, and then four I'll just be swiping on the player itself. All that up next. The four players that were recently traded, I'm taking two from the Magic, one from the Heat, and one, actually three from the Magic, excuse me, as they were the big sellers. I was wrong in my prediction of the Pelicans being the big sellers as the Magic were big sellers. I focused on all their three big moves. I focused on their three big players, and I focused on the move with the Miami Heat. I'm going to start with the three Magic trades, and I'm going to start with Evan Fournier's new situation with the Boston Celtics. I personally love the fit. You look at a, a lineup that you could go small with guys like Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Evan Fournier, and Jason Tatum. That could be a five-man lineup. You can go a little bit on the bigger side, Brown, Fournier, Tatum. They don't have Tice anymore. Robert Williams possibly could be there, Marcus Smart. They have options. They have versatility when you look at what Fournier brings to the table. He also can shoot from the three pretty well, but not tonight. I'm swiping left on his debut with the Celtics. He was 0 for 10 from the field in 33 minutes. That is the most scoreless minutes by a Celtics who have ever taken 10 attempts in the three-point era So since 1980. Horrible start for his Celtics career, but I do like the fit. I do like the versatility that he will bring to the Boston Celtics. Aaron Gordon was traded, and I know that was another big rumor to the Boston Celtics. Uh, he actually was dealt to the Denver Nuggets. I'm swiping right on the deal, much like I did with the Fournier to the Celtics. It creates depth. It makes a starting five of Murray, Barton, MPJ, Gordon, and Joker. Like That's a, a strong starting five. It gives you uh, Monte Morris coming off the bench, Capozano coming off the bench. I know I pronounced that wrong. Jamichael Green's been pretty good coming off the bench. Paul Millsap's an option. Uh, P.J. Dozier's an option. You have a 10-man rotation that you can cut down to probably eight or nine come playoff time. Aaron Gordon strengthens that off the ball. He'll always be moving. Uh, those basketball lobs from Jokic, or basketball lobs, excuse me, alley-oop lobs from Jokic to Gordon will be awesome. Basketball highlights, I personally love the deal. I'm swiping left on a couple things. I'm swiping left on his number choice. He went with number 50 because of those are his dunk scores from NBA dunk contests. Terrible, terrible choice, making me cringe right now. Swiping left, if I could swipe a super left, I would. And I'm swiping left on the production thus far. As as always, when early in a deal, you don't know what the fit's going to be. You don't know how much he's going to be ball handling. Uh, there's a lot of cooks in that kitchen. Michael Porter Jr., Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, Paul Millsap, they all kind of play that similar position, that 3-4 that position. I guess Barton can go down to the two a little bit. But uh, th they'll figure out that rotation come playoff time. I don't have any doubts in my mind. Malone's a good coach. I'm liking what I'm seeing with Denver. I just don't like what I've seen out of that fit thus far. 
The other magic trade was the one that kind of caught me by surprise. I preached it and preached it. I thought it was going to be Boston, and it sounded like it was going to be Boston for a minute with picks and young guys and possibly Marcus Smart coming back in the deal. The Orlando Magic dealt Nikola Vukovic to the Bulls. I personally love what the Bulls are doing here in an age that so many teams are trading their stars away that are kind of on the fringe to, to build picks and to build this awesome rebuild because the GMs want to show their owners that, hey, look, 10 years down the road, we're going to have all these picks. Screw that. Get that noise out of my face. I want to win now, and the Bulls showed that. You pair up Zach Levine with Nikola Vukovic. I personally loved the deal. I thought they were going to get Lonzo Ball as well. It was heavily rumored they were. Unfortunately, they did not. They got Troy Brown Jr. from the Washington Wizards, which, sure, why not? I like what the Bulls are doing. I'm swiping up on what they're trying to do, building a team around their, uh, Zach Levine. Uh, Zach Levine was in trade rumors early uh, in the offseason. We didn't know if he was going to be a Bull. He is a Bull. He's a superstar, and he has a number two going with him. So far, I don't like what I've seen out of him, though. The style of play hasn't been there. You talk about putting Vukovic with that Bulls team that has and Levine, Kobe White, Patrick Williams. Stretch the floor a little bit. Put Vukovic in the middle, go four, in, four out, one in. Do something. The spacing was a little tight in the two games I watched of the Bulls. They played the Spurs and the Warriors. As I said, fits are going to come. Style's going to come. It's as expected. But I just I didn't like what I saw. I thought it would be a little bit more two-man game with Levine and Vukovic. Something to monitor going down the line because I think this two-man could be great. Two all-stars this season. I loved seeing that, but... The play style hasn't really meshed yet. It kind of catches my eye because I thought there'd just be more spacing, more freedom. I thought it was going to be a lot of fun to watch the Bulls. It was not watching that Spurs game, watching that Warriors game. And obviously, Vukovic has filled stat sheets. That's what he's going to do. I think he was 21-9-6 tonight against the Warriors, and he had a similar line against the Spurs. Filling stat sheets up, just a matter of getting that style of play right so the Bulls start clicking, start meshing, and get into the playoffs as they are expecting to when they make a move for a, a superstar of Vukovic's caliber. Lastly, the Houston Rockets traded Victor Oladipo for Avery Bradley and Kelly Olenek in a few picks. They had the chance to trade James Harden for Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. I understand that they didn't want to possibly sign those guys long-term. They wanted to save money. They wanted to get picks. But you ended with Avery Bradley and Kelly Olenek. Come on now. Come on. I'm swiping left on what the Rockets ended with after the whole Harden dilemma. It's been a mess. It's been a mess all year. It's nobody's it's, – I, I like Scott Silas as a coach, but, man, it's just tough to – it's tough to see what the, the hand he's been dealt, I guess, for lack of a better term. You know what I do like, though? I do like Kelly Olenek kind of – thriving in a role uh, potentially could be another trade piece for the Rockets down the road. I know that's kind of what they are. Get pieces, get assets and flip them for more picks because they traded every pick under the sun to get Russell Westbrook there. I liked what I saw out of Kelly Olenek on Monday night. He had 25 points. He had the highest plus minus on the team. He spread the floor. Uh, John Wall, uh, Kevin Porter Jr., Christian Wood, they, they, they used him and he spaced the floor for him. I liked seeing that out of Houston. Maybe we revisit this deal down the road and we see all the pieces that were, were flipped and they got picks, you know, the Victor Oladipo piece, the potentially a Kelly Olynyk piece. I know P.J. Tucker was recently flipped as well for picks. Maybe we revisit this deal in a couple of years when picks are in play and the NBA. We can be like, wow, the, the Rockets fleeced down. I mean, look at what the Celtics did with the Nets. They traded off Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, which I know at the time wasn't 
as questionable as what the James Harden deal was. But when you look at the amount of picks that the Rockets are going to compile, I think we could. It, there's a there's a a realm of possibility that the Houston Rockets. This is not as bad as what we think it is right now. Moving to moving away from the trades and just to the players that stood out to me over the week. I have four of them. I have two ups. I'm swiping up on two players. And I'm going to start with Baby Shaq. Zion Williamson, absolutely crushing it right now. He had 28 points on 50% shooting tonight against the Celtics. And heading into that game, he was 35 points a game on almost 66% shooting, hitting two out of every three attempts he has on the court over the last three games. He's the clear number one on option, and that clarity has allowed the Pelicans to win four out of five. A lot of fun to watch the Pelicans. One of my favorite league pass teams. Late at night, I love watching their highlights. Zion's a human highlight reel. He's strong. He can create off the dribble. They have a playbook for him, it feels like. And Ingram feels like the perfect complement. Loving what I'm seeing out of New Orleans. Loving what I'm seeing out of Zion. He gets to swipe up to start off the second round of Tinder takes for the players. The other swipe up I'm giving is De'Aaron Fox, another lefty. Over the Kings' five-game winning streak, Fox has 34 points, five assists, and he is shooting at a ridiculous clip of 62%. You could argue that Halliburton getting healthy and playing alongside has kind of activated him over the last couple. Buddy Heald has been better as well. That's going to be a dangerous team moving forward. Fox is awesome. He's really fast. He produces. He gives you, he fills up stat sheets every night. Halliburton's a great two, uh, great piece to, to play alongside him. They get a, a big man in there. I know Bagley's kind of had his ups and downs with them. They can get a solidified big man in there. Watch out. I think the Kings could be exciting for years down their road. Two, two guys that I've been a little lesser talked about on the podcast, but have been talked about on the podcast. Jakob Poitel. Jakob Pertl. I know I pronounced that wrong one of those ways. But Jakob Pertl has been around, and I have swiped right on him before. I like what he brings to the table defensively. He's a big oaf in the center. He put his arms up. He blocks shots. And that's exactly what he's doing with the Spurs right now. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge has been kind of absent for them. And he is showing that I, I can be the center you can build around with guys like DeJounte Murray, Derek White, uh, Lonnie Walker Jr., Keldon Johnson. I can be the man in the middle. I can be the guy in the center of the defense locking up the opposing center. He's He's and you know what else he can do? He can score, and he can score efficiently. He's averaging almost 17 points a game on around 70% shooting over uh, this span of Aldridge being out. And he's averaging about three blocks a game over that same span. Spurs kind of have this hidden gem. Uh, uh, I think a big reason why they were okay with LaMarcus leaving was this, this emergence of Pirtle. I uh, did not expect this when he was just kind of a throw-in to the Kawhi trade. But, hey, good for the Spurs, good for Pirtle. I'm swiping right on what I've seen out of him. And another guy I'm going to swipe right on, he is constantly criticized on Twitter every time he has a bad night, but he's a one of the better role players in the NBA. Loved him when he went to Toronto. I know he struggled with LA, but he's kind of picking it up again with Philly. Danny Green, I'm swiping right on. In the month of March, Green is averaging 12 points a game on 44% shooting. Doesn't stand out to you, but what does stand out to me is he's spreading the floor for a very three-point oriented Sixers team around Simmons and and bead. He's shooting 46% on almost eight three-point attempts a game. That is what you want out of a guy that's playing alongside of a two, two paint-dominant, paint-centric players. Uh, we can get into it with the tinder takes for the teams here shortly, but I think keeping green uh, and trading for George Hill instead of packaging a, a 
a Matisse Tybal, Danny Green, and picks or whatever, using Green's salary to get Kyle Lowry to Philly. I think keeping Green and just trading for another veteran guard that can spread the floor around Simmons and Embiid, they they played together, I believe, in San Antonio, Hill and Green. I could be wrong on that. I think Hill might have been in Indiana at the time, but they have familiarity with each other. I personally love what Philly did, keeping Danny Green and just trading for uh, George Hill, keeping the ship going, building around that paint-centric duo, that penetration-centric duo of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So rounding out the Tinder takes for the players, I am swiping left on what I saw at a 40 a.m. Monday night, but I like the deal. I'm swiping right on the deal for Boston. I'm swiping left on the deal for Kelly Olynyk to the Rockets, but I'm swiping right out of what I've seen out of him. Pretty good night on Monday. Vukovic, I'm swiping right for the Bulls, building a team around Vukovic and Levine, and I'm swiping up for the sheer fact that they didn't tear it down. I love seeing that, and I'm swiping left, though, on, on the style of play and the fit that I've seen thus far. Aaron Gordon with the Nuggets, I like the deal. They get in depth. They're getting more guys they can throw at LeBron and Kawhi in a playoff series. Swiping right on it. Swiping left on the number choice, and I'm swiping left on Gordon's production thus far. Moving to the away from the trades and into just some of the players. Up on Zion, up on De'Aaron Fox, right on Pirtle, and right on Danny Green. After the break, I have five teams for you listed here. And up, two rights, and two lefts for the Tinder Takes team segment stick with us we have a quick round of tinder takes for the teams as i said five teams i'm going to start in la and i'm going to start with the clippers and i am swiping up on what i've seen out of the los angeles clippers they have five wins in a row and i personally love the deal trading for rajon rondo it improves their guard death not guard death excuse me guard depth you don't have to play Reggie Jackson. You don't have to play Luke Kennard big minutes. Rondo's a proven playoff commodity at the point guard position. He can create off the dribble. He can play defense against the team's opposing best guard. We've seen him take plenty of teams uh, to the next level in the playoffs at the point guard position. One that comes to mind was the Chicago Bulls when he was there with Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade. I, I like it. I think it increases the Clippers' postseason aspirations, and it just solidifies their playoff hopes. Um, in this five-game win streak, going back to their win streak, they have wins over the Hawks, Sixers, and Bucks. Exactly what you want to see out of a championship-contending team, if you may. Going from a championship-contending team, Kawhi Leonard's current team, to Kawhi Leonard's former team, the Toronto Raptors, I am swiping left on. They are 1-9. Over their last 10 games, they have three losses in a row, and they just lost to the Detroit Pistons. Yes, you heard that right, folks, the Detroit Pistons. It's clear team. It's clear that this team has kind of no hope, uh, no really playoff aspirations. Pascal Siakam has been pretty bad this year. You traded Norman Powell, who was uh, one of your shining stars, won the quarantine for guys like uh, Van Vliet, went out, and Siakam as well. Uh, Powell is your shining star. You traded him. I feel bad for Kyle Lowry. Uh, he's still he's still there. It seems like the Raptors are not going to be a playoff contending team. It seems like they are not going to be a finals contending team. And they still kept them. They could have got some sort of a haul back. I I get trying to keep your guy and keeping him happy, but it sounded everyone wanted Kyle Lowry. They just had too steep of a price. I'm swiping left on what you did to my man. Uh, Toronto, you've been bad, and you kind of screwed over Lowry's hopes at a championship this season. Heading, I don't know, 
Toronto Raptors are currently in Tampa Bay. So we're going to head a little west. Maybe, yeah, a little west. I don't know if it's north. The Phoenix Suns. I'm not good at geography, folks. I don't know where Tampa and Phoenix and are in a relationship. There. Phoenix might be a little bit more, more north. I don't know. Phoenix Suns. I'm swiping right on. Uh, they have six out of their last eight are wins. I like that they stay put at the deadline. I didn't know what they really had to trade. Chris Paul, Devin Booker have been both great. DeAndre Ayton is starting to come along. The one thing I'm worried about is that DeAndre Ayton piece in the playoffs. You possibly could have gotten another big man option to increase that depth. Dario Saric is a little bit hit or miss. Cam Johnson's still young. Jay Crowder's okay. Maybe there's a buyout guy. Hassan Whiteside could be looked at. But I personally thought a JaVale McGee option would have been a great uh, pick for the Suns. Possibly another power forward to increase their size. I, I, don't, I don't know. The Suns, I, I don't know. I don't know what a deal would have looked like. I think that's going to be a good buyout spot for somebody. We'll see what they want to do if they're going to add on depth or not. But I, I, I like where they are nonetheless. As I said, six out of their last eight are Ws, and they get to play the Hawks, which might be a little bit of a tougher game. Hawks have been a little stingy as of late. But then Bulls, new-look Bulls with Vukovic. They've lost a couple in a row, still worried about that fit. Thunder Rockets. All winnable games next for Phoenix should stay hot. Now I know this one. We're heading north. We're heading northwest, folks, and we're going to Portland. And I love what Portland did at the deadline, getting Norman Powell, upgrading from Gary Trent. It makes them a little bit of a bigger team. You can't go three-guard lineup with teams that have LeBron James, uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Gordon. Will Barton's a starting shooting guard in Denver. That's a big team. The Clippers can go big on you with Paul George, Kawhi, Ibaka, Zubak. They can, there are teams that can go big on you. So getting bigger and getting a guy that has been playing great ball this year in Norman Powell, I like what I've seen. We've seen playoff Norman on a few instances. I wouldn't say he's a known playoff threat, but he can hit big shots if need be. He's been on successful teams. And on top of it, the Trailblazers have won seven out of their last 10, and their th last three have been Ws. Goodbye, Portland. Upgrade in their team, upgrade in their starting lineup, and they are winning. Awesome, awesome sight to see for Portland. I'm swiping right on them. Lastly, I'm going to Indiana, the team I started the show absolutely loving with. Uh, episode one, it was the Indiana Pacers episode. If you ever want to go back and listen, you can hear about how wrong of a take I had on them. I'm swiping left on what I've seen on the Indiana Pacers. They are a middle-of-the-road team. I know Karis LeVert's getting back. Maybe the hope is that him getting healthy launches them into the playoffs. I don't see LeVert as that guy that can do that yet. I like Brogdon. I like Sabonis. I like Miles Turner. But every other piece, Doug McDermott's just okay. Justin Holiday's just okay. I don't think we're going to see any instances of Bubble Warren coming out. TJ Warren was awesome last year in the bubble. I don't know if that's ever going to come back. They did not make any moves. I know they were rumored heavily to be in on Norman Powell. That would have been a great landing spot for, for Norman. I just didn't expect them to to sit at the deadline. I thought they'd either be buyers or sellers. And, and the fact that they didn't do anything, I don't like at all. So I'm swiping left on the Indiana Pacers. Rounding out the tender takes for the teams. I've got a swipe up on the Clippers, a swipe left on the Raptors, a swipe right on the Suns, a swipe right on Portland, and a swipe left on Indiana. After the break, we are beating the buzzer. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a longer beating the buzzer as I have a life update. I've been stuck in quarantine. We'll get into that. I have my thoughts on the emergence of quote-unquote super teams with Aldridge and Drummond and the Reddit question of the week. All that after the break. Looking at LaMarcus Aldridge to Brooklyn and Andre Drummond to the Lakers. 
I'm going to start with Aldridge. Aldridge averaging 13 points a game and four rebounds a game. You think that's going to add a, a huge piece to the Brooklyn Nets? You think that's a, a earth-shattering move? I don't think so. I know it adds the amount of all-star appearances they had. You know who else has all-star appearances? Andy Dalton, Mitch Trubisky. I, who was an all-star last year? Ben Simmons has an all-star appearance. Now that's a, not a good example. But adding Aldridge to the Brooklyn Nets doesn't do much for me. Because Aldridge is on the back, back, back end of the prime. He's got his heels on the edge of the cliff. I feel like he's about ready to retire. Um, sure, it's a nice depth piece. We'll call it what it depth piece, excuse me. We'll call it what it is. Uh, he's gonna play a lot during the regular season. Maybe he'll have a playoff moment or two. I don't think he is gonna. I'm not happy about it. Don't get me wrong. I, I I'm just about as mad as it as the other guy. I thought there were better fits for him, but he's far and away being from being the threat he was in Portland and early San Antonio days. I know he can still knock down a shot or two, but I don't expect LaMarcus Aldridge to turn back the clock for the Brooklyn Nets. I know we've seen Blake do it a little bit, but Aldridge is a a little bit of a further stretch for Brooklyn. On the flip side, I'm mad about the Drummond or I'm mad about the Aldridge deal. I'm happy about the Drummond deal. I'm happy that, you know, as a, as an early Pistons fan, I I followed Drummond's career out of UConn. I liked him. I thought he would always be a solid NBA player. He's finally on a good team now. He gets to play on a finals contending team. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be a bad thing or a good thing for the Lakers. Uh, most players do adjust when they come play for Bron. But uh, right now, Bron is out. And right now, Anthony Davis is out. And the Lakers kind of have a gaping hole where they they don't have anybody taking up that usage rate, those field goal attempts. Dennis Schroeder, Montrezl Harrell have been doing it okay. Kyle Kuzma is still there. But when he comes on, I feel like he's going to expect the same amount of shots because there, nobody are there. And maybe he'll get them, maybe he won't. But uh, I don't want that to turn into uh, game three of the Western Conference semis. Andre Drummond taking 15 shots and hitting seven of them because that's what he's at right now. He's a below 50% shooter. He's not a... He takes a lot of field goal attempts for a center. He's not, he, he's an elite rebounder, but how many of those are off a layup that he missed? You know, like, I, I don't know if he's going to adjust. What What's the mindset going to be? That's the biggest question for me. I don't know if he's going to be, okay, I'm just going to be your rebounder. I'm going to be every offensive board that you need me to be. I'm going to eat up centers, much like the, the center hole for the Clippers. I'm going to eat up center holes for the, uh, eat up against the Portland Trailblazers. I just don't know. I don't know. I want to see it. I, I don't want this to turn into a bad thing for Drummond. I like his style of play, but if he's expecting a big deal, I don't uh, – I think he'll adjust. We'll see. We'll see. I'm happy for him. All right. Getting away from basketball. Currently in quarantine. My roommate tested positive. Nothing we can do. It is the world we live in. Um. He's been okay. No really signs of symptoms or any of that. We're we're still chugging along just fine. Uh, we missed some of our season, but that's okay. You know, give the body some time to rest. We'll get ready for some in-conference games, and we'll, we'll be ready. Um, close contact, 10 days, whatever. It's the world we live in. So if any of you have any good thoughts or any NBA hypothetical, or you have a question about a trade, Please, please, please tweet at me, C Reigns 38. Tweet at me, nothing but airtime. 
I did this thing on Friday and I'll probably do it a little bit more, a flashback five where I give you a former star. I did it with Allen Iverson and Dirk Nowitzki on Friday. I give you a former star and you have to build a realistic yet best team around him. Allen Iverson was the first one. Dirk Nowitzki was the second one. Got some interesting responses there. We'll be doing a little bit more of that as we move on, but I have a little more time quarantine until Friday, until life picks back up and we'll see how I'm feeling next week on what we'll be doing for the show. All right. You can always tweet at me the answer for this question. The Reddit question of the week ending the show today. Who is a fictional bad guy from a movie or TV show that is hard not to root for? I have two bad guys from movies. I have Killmonger from Black Panther. He just wanted to avenge his dad. Uh, Michael B. Jordan's one of my favorite actors. Uh, just a, a good, good, interesting, interesting point of view, I guess you could say, from a, a villain standpoint. Actually, I'll add another one in. Drago's kid in Creed Two is another interesting one. Got the country, uh, his dad, Ivan Drago, crumbled as a country after Rocky lost. They hated him, hated his guts. Now... He's got all the pressure in the world on him in Creed 2. Uh, you can kind of sympathize with that a little bit. Now, I'm not going to say I'm rooting for him to beat Creed because every Rocky or Creed movie is about rooting for the guy that's on the cover of the movie. But you can sympathize with that bad guy a little bit. My answer, though, my, my top answer is Dr. Evil. Dr. Evil is the bad guy in Austin Powers. He ends up, spoiler alert, being Austin Powers' brother in the, and gold member. I know it's a huge spoiler for a spoof movie, but he's really funny. He's got the $1 million and he's got the pinky on the mouth and he's got the naked cat and he's driving the, the I believe it is a submarine that has him on the front, front of it. I think he's just really funny. I like Mike Myers in general. He is my answer for the bad guy I find hard not to root for. Tweet at me yours and tweet at me any thoughts that could kill my quarantine at nothing but airtime, N-O-T-H-I-N-B-T-A-I-R-T-I-M-E. That's it for me, folks. Go check out our Tuesday tunes. We have a pretty fun one this week, Guilty Pleasure Songs. You can always tweet at me some of those as well. The graphic will come out on Tuesday morning. That's all. Have a great Tuesday.